So I, I did it. I, I punched him right in the face. I did. Punched him right in the face. It surprised him, actually. Kind of surprised me. I didn't know that I had it in me. But, but my older brother, he really stood on that last nerve. I never hit him in the face again after that, actually. In fact, I was thinking about all the times when it's gotten that to that point for me. I, I don't usually, I don't, I don't have a short fuse or what do they, what do they say? I, I, it takes me a while to get upset. I think early on, probably I had a shorter fuse, but I, maturity, that, that helps. Uh, old age, things like that. But I hit him in the face and I, I was thinking, who else did I ever actually do that? Well, I think there's one time where I hit, I hit a kid on the bus, maybe when I was, I don't know, 12 or something. But again, similar situation. Actually, was a friend of mine that I punched in the face. I haven't, I haven't really punched that many people in my life. But I, I was thinking about the reality of that is the both people I punched I was in relationships with. And it, it dawned on me that most of the conflicts that I've ever had in my life weren't from complete strangers. You know? They were from people that I were friends, that I like, that I love, people in my family. A wise man, way wiser than me, said one time that friends can offend. And it is true, right? Maybe you're thinking about a conflict maybe you've had. Maybe, maybe you punched somebody. I don't know. We won't go around the room, but it could be, it could be embarrassing for some of us. But it may not have gotten to that point, but think about the relationships you've had in your life and the conflict specifically, where you've had kind of a conflict. Most of the time, they're people that we love. They're people that are in relationship with us. And, and it's important for us to, to kind of think that through, that how is it that the people closest to us can, can sometimes see the worst in us? How, how is it that the people that are even our friends can bear the brunt of our anger or bear the brunt of conflict? Why is it that the, the people close to us sometimes uh, we find we're in conflict with? And if you've, you've got any years on you in this life, you realize whether it be siblings or friends or people that you work with, there's, there's going to be inevitably a conflict that you're going to have to navigate. Just crazy that sometimes it's the, the closest relationships can sometimes be some, 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 some difficult ones. There's a, there's a proverb that I, I run to a lot, and it's in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. You might have heard this phrase before. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That, that At least in that scripture, they're saying, well, don't shy away from the fact that sometimes you're going to have conflict, even in a close friendship, a close relationship, and that can actually be helpful. That those moments, if we don't go running off, can sometimes really be powerful to mature us and, and to grow us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. This is the last installment, if you will, of our friending series. And this whole series, we've been trying to, 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 to reawaken the idea of relationship health back into our lives. We, we have been living through a crazy pandemic that's started with social distancing and now that sort of evolved into emotional distancing and isolation is not good for us. And we've been saying all along in the series, hey, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, or a combination of the two, amb ambivert, 
You are created for relationship. And so you, you, introverts, you don't need 100, but you need one or two. And, and so we are created for relationship. And not just to, to have you know, warm and fuzzy friendships. It's also a big key to our discipleship. Like we can't, we can't practice the fruits of the Spirit. God's wanting us to do wonderful things. He wants to do things through us. And the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about it several times, love, joy, peace, patience, those are worked out most of the time in relationships. And we are creative for relationship, and we want to, to, to have healthy friendships that help us grow in Christ. And that is going to inevitably involve conflict. If you've been following along, this, along in the series, just a quick recap, uh, we, we, we started with the idea of, of empathy, that that's how you can feel what someone feels. And we talked about empathy being that thing where you lean in and really are able to listen and, and hear what someone is going through and, and, and be with them in that. We talked about forgiveness, how we can live forgivingly, that we can give grace with that. Uh, we talked about listening that is what David talked about a little bit last week. And, and so I encourage you to catch up on some of those. They all kind of build on one another. And uh, we even talked about boundaries, right? Boundaries were the seatbelt so that we can have healthy empathy and healthy forgiveness uh, without kind of losing ourselves in the process. Today we're talking about conflict because we all are going to have to face that, whether that's going to be this morning that you felt, felt it or it's going to be later today or this week. Uh, God wants to use those moments to help grow us. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here with us. Again, whether you're online or in person, it's great that you're here. If you want to take a next step with us, make sure you hit the connections booth on the way out or on your chat host. But we meet on the first day of the week to lift up the name of Jesus because about 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, did amazing things, taught amazing things, but then was subject to death on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, on a Sunday, First day of the week, he rose from the dead and changed human history forever. And that's why we gather on Sunday. So today, it's a good time to take a deep breath, reset, first day of the week, and let's lean in and hear what God has to say about friendship and even conflict. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us so much. We're thankful that you create us for relationship. And Lord, we want to be good friends. Father, we believe that following Jesus, your son, is going to make us the best friends ever. So Father, help us to lean in to friendship and the idea of connection, relationship, but especially when there's conflict that we could listen for, for those moments where you want to grow us. So Father, help us to tune in by the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, the scriptures are not quiet on the idea of interpersonal conflict. And you don't get too far into the pages of Scripture before you got brothers killing each other. And if you have siblings, you know how that can be difficult. Maybe you've never killed them, but four pages in, we got Cain killing Abel. So the Bible's not quiet when it comes to personal relationships, even family relationships that have conflict and go sideways. In fact, one of the first kings of, of Israel, Saul, he tended to like to in party mo party moments with, with lots of people there having food. He tended to like to try to pin people to the wall with a sharp spear. He had conflict. He wanted to hit David with a spear. We see this over and over, even in the New Testament. Sometimes people look at the church, they'll, they'll read the book of Acts and say, oh, the church, everything was wonderful. It was like a utopia. No, it wasn't. They were people, humans, and they had struggles. Uh, there was a, a leader, Paul. We'll call him Pastor Paul. And he sometimes had conflict. In fact, he had conflict that we even read about in Scripture, even with Peter, who was one of Jesus' inner three. 
how dare Paul go after Peter? But he did. He, he went after him on theology and practice. So there's conflict going on. And, and Paul later would have another conflict with the very guy that kind of brought him into the whole church circle from the beginning, a guy named Barnabas, who liked to travel with a younger guy named John Mark. And there was a struggle there. The scriptures are not quiet and silent about what it means to be in a relationship and have conflict. And in fact, scripture has some of those resolved. But there's still conflict. For us to just believe that even in Christ, everything is just this smooth highway, it doesn't work that way. That conflict actually will help us grow if we let it. Paul, one of his last letters that he wrote, in fact, the New Testament has got a lot of letters in it, actually. If you've ever read the New Testament, lots of letters, many of them penned by this guy. We'll call him Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul. And in one of those later letters, Romans, if you have a Bible, you can find Romans chapter 12. If you've got a device or a Bible, I encourage you to, to look the scriptures up. We'll have it on screen, but I think it's always good to kind of have it there. You know, it's not just coming out of my, my mouth. Uh, Romans 12. Let us read it down. I'm reading in the English Standard Version, but you guys might have a different version. That's okay. Uh, here, here it is. Let's read this down. And this is the sort of life that honors the Lord. And, and we have some surprising things in here. First of all, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That sure sounds like empathy. Okay. Verse 16. Live, well, this is a big one. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony. How, how, how are you doing with that? Do not be haughty, that is prideful, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You ever struggled with that? Wise in your own sight. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, there's a big one, if possible, so, long as it, so far as it depends on you, live peaceful, peaceably with all. How, how well are you doing on that one? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave, leave it to God. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, there's a lot we can unpack in there. And we don't have time to hit everything there. The, my mind was just racing as we were reading it. Maybe yours was too. It's like, ooh, I, I should work on that. Or, ooh, I, I should give God room for vengeance. Or, who is my enemy, right? That's something you might be thinking about. Oftentimes we think of enemy in kind of more, uh, I don't know, combat situation or something like that. But it could be maybe someone who disagrees with you, right? That can feel like an enemy. Someone who's always kind of getting at you. That could be kind of an enemy. And how well are you treating them? Are you actually going over, uh, overboard in showing them love? And God's saying, look, let me take care of, uh, you know, those folks. But you just, your, your job is to show love, right? This is a life that pleases the Lord. And you see how many phrases in there have to do with relationship and relationships that require some intention because, look, why would he say live in harmony with one another if we were always in harmony? He would not have to say that. Live in harmony because we struggle with living in harmony. We, we struggle with living peacefully. Think about this, you know, last season that we've been in, and, and, and I've seen it in the church family as well. It's like, we got to remember these passages. This is a life that pleases the Lord. Even, even folks that we might think are enemies or people that are opposing us, that we show love, that we, that we, we withhold vengeance. Now, that's a big one. Like, leave it to God. Sometimes we, we're like, well, God, you're, you're in charge. You made the universe, but I got this. Why do we do that? We, we like, pull stuff out and, like, those are only God-sized things, and we can't pull those onto our plate. We can't handle it. 
But he said, leaving room for that. If, if, as much as possible, live peacefully. Now you might be thinking, you might be in a relationship or you might have a conflict right now. Maybe an open wound of a conflict in a, in a family situation or a friendship or someone at work. And going back to this passage, maybe this is what you need to do this week, is kind of go back and, and see how you're doing. This is a life that honors the Lord. Am I doing everything I can to live in harmony? Am I, am I honoring someone, even people that I disagree with, right? Am, am, I, am I withholding my vengeance? Do I bless those who persecute me? Bless and don't curse. How, how good are you at kind of withholding your tongue when you want to say something, right? That filter that says that's not very loving or helpful. These are the things that help us live in harmony with one another. It takes, it takes God-sized help for that. So maybe you revisit this passage this week and you pray about some of these, some of these things in here. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Think about that. Sometimes we want to just rush into things and not really think it through. We, we're, it's almost like we kind of want to fight the devil with his own tools. And, and here, Paul said, actually, no, you want to overcome evil, not with the same tools. You're not going to overcome evil with evil. You're going to overcome evil with good. And that works out in interpersonal relationships. So you might have, I mean, as we're talking about this, you're like, oh, great, he's talking about this today. You may have a family situation. You may have someone that you are withholding forgiveness or something. There's, 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 a, there's a conflict there, and maybe you've tried to, to, to put it under the rug for a while. It's time to deal with it. If anything, in this message, that would be a great thing, is to, to work toward resolution. It may not be easy. It may not be quick. But, but that's, that's part of our role as a Christ follower. Like I said, I think we can be the best friends ever. Because we understand forgiveness and empathy and boundaries. And we know how to love well because we're loved by God so well. We can be the best friends ever. Even when there's conflict, we can be the proactive one. You know that Jesus even said, look, if you are in a worship gathering, say like this, and you've got an open wound of a, of a relationship somewhere that you've not resolved, Jesus would even tell you, stop what you're worshiping, stop your worship, stop your singing, you know, don't, don't give money, right? He, he said, stop everything and go deal with that relationship. Then come back and we can, we can talk. That's how important it is. That was, that's Matthew 5. It's like, hey, this, this is going to affect your worship. You're going to have this great relationship with God, but if, if you've got the, the vertical thing that's got some problems or the horizontal, loving other people, then, then deal with that and then come back because it affects even our worship when we have an open wound of a conflict. Jesus also, it's one of my favorite things that Jesus did, I know that Jesus was, was, was well acquainted with phrases that people said in the first century. And there's this thing that we call the golden rule, right? We, we, we hear that a lot. I mean, not, even non-religious people know this, right? But in Jesus' day, it wasn't told the way he told it. In Jesus' day, it was told in the negative. Don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. Jesus turned the whole phrase upside down and actually said, no, do unto others what you'd have them do unto you. He actually turned it into the positive and said, you take the first step. That's a whole new way to be human right there. You actually go overboard. You, you go first. As a Christ follower, you take the first step. You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He totally, he totally changed around. He said, when you do that, that sums up the whole Bible. He said, that sums up the law and the prophets, the writings, all of it. That if you can do that, that's, that's loving your neighbor, right? Jesus asked us to do that. And, and neighbor means proximity. That means people that have relationship with us. How are you doing with that? Be proactive. When, when people talk about conflict in the church circles, 
oftentimes the passage, the go-to passage that everybody goes to is Matthew 18. Are you familiar with Matthew 18? There's kind of a progression that happens here. A lot of times uh, churches have not got this right. Uh, church discipline is, is kind of a scary thing for, for some to even talk about. And, and again, many churches get this wrong. And I think it's because we're not, we're not following what Jesus said. And I know it's dicey. And it's easy to say, harder to do. But Matthew 18, if you're not familiar with this, uh, let's read it down uh, and, then, and then we'll talk about it. it. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. Hang on to that. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. And that's basically saying, hey, they're out of the fold. They're out of the fellowship for a while. Uh, you know, they're not blacklisted, but they're, you know, hey, don't associate with them until they're ready to, yeah, deal with some stuff, right? So that's what people often go to when they think of church discipline. They go to this. And I, I want to bring it to more modern, if I could. Let's talk about it in terms of how it might play out for us, right? Not just in our church, but also probably in your relationships and family and friends, that sort of thing. And the first one is probably the best one. When there's a problem, oh, you've, you've seen this violated, violated over and over again. When someone has a problem with someone, the best first step to do is go directly to the source and talk it out one-on-one. -on -one. Think about how many times this has been violated, where you got a problem with me, so you're telling them, and you're telling them, and then it gets in this big, it becomes this big fire that you just started, rather than going directly to the source. Now I realize there may be conflicts where you maybe you know you don't feel comfortable having that conversation, and so maybe you need to pray about that or, or seek some counsel, but that's the first and best step is go right to the source. When we say around our church family, we do this in our, our starting point class, we say, hey, let's, we're going to support the unity of the church by not gossiping. That's what we're talking about here. You, if you've got a problem with me, I would appreciate if you came right to me and not talk to 100 other people who all have their opinions, but they weren't even in the original conflict. Like, why would they even be involved? Why are you bringing them in? Just come to me, right? If you have, if, and that's the hope. If, you, if someone has a problem with you, for your growth too, right? You want to grow. You want to, like if you, if you did something and maybe you didn't even pay attention or you, sometimes conflict happened, you didn't even know you hurt somebody, right? You want to know that. I want to know that. So go direct one-on-one. -on -one. What does the scripture say? Go to that brother or sister, tell them, bring it up alone. I mean, we could probably have a whole sermon just on that one right there and how many times that gets violated. You've seen it. That's happened at work. I bet you that's happened at work with you. Someone's not happy with something. They go talking around, and finally, you know, the boss isn't even involved. At this point, it's become this big fire. Some of you are smiling right now because you've seen it happen, and it unfolds crazy. It becomes worse than it needs to be. So go direct to the source of the conflict one-on-one. -on -one. Number two, take others. Okay, so this is step number two. These are others that are in relationship with that same person. Other people that know them, right? So people that, that love you both or whatever can be in that smaller conversation and say, hey, maybe I, I didn't say it right or whatever, but I really want to make sure we resolve this. Um, take a couple people. The third step, and I think the third and fourth step rarely need to happen if the first two are followed properly, or at least the first one's followed properly. But then, you know, if that person is still kind of belligerent and they're just pushing back and saying no, well, now they're, 
they're almost getting into a spiritual problem now because now they're, they're not listening to the church family. People love them the most. They're, they're kind of belligerent and they're, and they're putting that off. That gets to that third and fourth step. The third step would be to take it to the small group or to the team and have more people say, hey, we love you. We want res- resolution. We want a happy you know, relationship or at least a, a healthy relationship. Help us work this through. And if they don't even listen to the small group or whatever, then it goes to the thing where, hey, you're kind of out of the fold. I mean, if you're not going to listen to the church family, why are you even part of it, right? Like, if you're not going to listen to health, when it's people that love you want to grow, why, why are you even here, right? That's, it rarely has to get to those last couple steps, right? If we start with the first one and making that healthy. So in what ways do you feel like you're good at resolving conflict? Like, are you someone that likes to jump in with both feet if there's any kind of conflict and you just want to get all up in there? Or are you someone that wants to kind of sweep it under the rug or not say anything just to keep the peace? Oftentimes, it does not create peace when you ignore something, right? Where are you at on that scale? Would, you, would people say, yeah, they, they like to really resolve conflict or maybe they don't talk much. Where are you at? Take your temperature on how well you can handle conflict. When we read Romans 12, like we did just a few minutes ago, how, how do you fit into that? Do you feel like you're someone that, that strives to live in harmony? one another are you someone even when someone kind of has a a harsh word you can respond not with a harsh word how are you at that conflict how are you de-escalating when something starts to go sideways because that takes a huge amount of maturity that is a follower of Jesus I think someone that's developing that maturity to love someone love their neighbor even when that person is a bit contentious how are you at that read that Romans 12 passage again where are you at on conflict resolution do you always have to get vengeance Do you always have to have the last word? Is that you? Then maybe you need to get on your knees with Jesus and say, hey, help me work through this character stuff. Because I I always got to jump into conflict. Half the time, I don't even know what they're fighting about, but I'm going to get in. What is that? There's weird, the weird thing, I read read something the other day about how, uh, uh, yeah, people sometimes have this tendency to jump in and, and start, you know, working on a conflict and they don't even know what's really going on. Have you ever been in a fight? with, say, a spouse or someone like that, and you realize at some point, I'm not really sure what we're arguing about. Does that ever happen to you? Okay, I'm not alone. Maybe it's just me, but I've had that happen where I'm still fighting, but I'm like, I'm not actually sure what we're fighting about anymore. we gotta be, we got to be above that, right? So how are you doing with that? What about, what about, say, the people that we say would be enemies, right? People that have a different opinion of you or different opinion. They want to push their opinion on you or whatever. How good are you at handling when people vote, dress, act differently than you? How are you at that? What does is, what is, what is Paul say again? Uh, live peacefully with all, as long as it depends on you. How well are, are you handling this? And again, this may be something that this week, you and Jesus can have some come to Jesus time on this and really work through some of this stuff. It may be time for some growth in that area. All right, so I want to share with you a couple of pro tips. These come from, I got them from several resources. I just want to share them with you if you're taking notes or whatever. I encourage you to to, to, to yeah, maybe take some of these to heart. Again, take what you can use. But the first one that I want to talk about in resolving conflict in relationships. Again, we're talking about relationships, not perfect strangers. We're talking about in relationship. The first thing would be helpful is focusing on feelings. And what I mean by that is not that we're going to do everything touchy-feely. That's not the point. But sometimes emotions hit us, and we, we can't always control that, right? And sometimes our emotions are based on wrong stuff. But the reality is we still have emotions, Right? Have you ever been watching a show or something like that and you start to tear up and you're looking around the room making sure nobody saw? Uh, sometimes emotions hit us. But what, when we're talking about conflict, 
Focusing on feelings really helps because what this does is says, hey, you can say, hey, me, I feel this when you do this, or I feel this when this happens. What you're doing now is you're taking the pressure off the other person and you're saying, this is how I feel. Case in point, Jackie and I have worked through a lot of different things, but early on in our marriage, I tended to always go for the funny. If you know me well, you know that I like to sometimes be funny when I, I don't, it's not the right timing. But I used to do this when we would be in small group or we'd be at church or whatever in the lobby, we'd talk in. Sometimes I would say things that I didn't realize were hurtful to Jackie. Sometimes I would go for the funny and tell a, a story at her expense. And whether that be it's an embarrassing story or something that I think is funny, but she had to pull me aside and say, Ben, when, when we're in conversation, when we're in public or whatever, I feel hurt when you tell a story or a joke that, that embarrasses me. And right away, I wanted to deal with that hurt because I didn't want to hurt her. Why would I want to hurt her? So she was able to use this very idea where you're, you're saying, I feel hurt when this happens. And now she's not needling me. She's not hitting me over the head. She's not bringing all the stuff from the past. She said, in those moments, she said, you can't fix what we just did. It was like we come home from church or whatever. Because I know we never have conflict around church time. But she really helped me. And, and I told her, you know, I can't fix what I've done in the past. But hey, next time we're in a public I will really make, and I've really done a good job with that. You can ask her. I don't tell stories at my family's expense that's going to hurt their feelings. I don't want to do that, right? I feel hurt when. And that, maybe that's something you can use in maybe a conflict that you have. Let's, let's, let's keep going, though. Lose the attitude. You are not always right. I don't know what it is about us sometimes, and maybe some of us are better than this than others, but we always feel like we got to win. We always feel like you're going to come to my opinion whether you like it or not. We are not always right. And most of you are wrong a lot. I am wrong a lot. So i got to lose the attitude when I'm in a conflict because I probably don't know all the situation. You don't know every circumstance. When you're having that conflict, you can't just assume, right, we, we know what that does. We don't want to, to, to do that quick judgment. we got to drop the judgment, drop the attitude because we ain't always right. Here's the third thing. Practice time out. I know that there's a scripture that talks about don't let the sun go down in your anger. I think we've misinterpreted that for years. We're like, you have to resolve everything before bedtime. I don't think that's really what the scripture is telling us there because there's sometimes we need to de-escalate, which means when it starts to get heated, we got to take a walk around. It doesn't mean that we just leave without telling the person, right? If it's a spouse situation, you don't just take off, but you say, hey, this is triggering me. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting that. I, I feel like my anger is happening. This is not going to be good, so I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to take a breather. Time out is okay. In fact, some of us need to practice the holy time out because sometimes we need to pause before whatever we say next, right? That's de-escalation. And then you, in fact, I was just reading yesterday in the Wall Street Journal. This came out on their weekend edition, and they'd done a bunch of study on conflict and when people have you know, harsh conversations or whatever, they have found that you, you know that a conflict is dead in the water or, or there's no getting through it healthy if the, the hackles start to get raised and the, and the temperature in the room changes and you start yelling. When you start raising your voice in any kind of conflict, 
science will tell you, you have now left the realm of the logic and you are now in danger zone. And the article was just saying, that's how you can tell. And, and a lot of times, we're, we're insecure about our position, so we'll just keep telling it louder. And that's a danger. So we lose the attitude, we practice a timeout, de-escalate. Number four is keep it present. In conflict sometimes, this is true with spouses, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but in, 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 in close family situations, sometimes we will tend to take the past and drag it forward every time we have a conflict. We're having a present conflict, but what happens is sometimes people do the kitchen sink approach, and they'll grab everything from all the, all the stuff, because you've been keeping a record of it, and you're going to bring it all here when we're having a conflict about this, not that. Healthy friendships and relationships keep it present to the issue at hand. You don't drag the past forward. You don't do the kitchen sink approach. Don't do that. In fact, it's biblical. 1 Corinthians 13, that's read at so many weddings. It's the love chapter. One of the phrases in that is, love keeps no record of wrongs. Right? I know it's hard, easy to say, hard to do, but keep the past in the past. That's number four. Number five, when you're talking about spouse relationships, we know that scripturally, husband and wife, we have this one-on-one, one-flesh relationship. Those are special relationships, absolutely. Those are, those, are, those are closer relationships, so we have to be super careful in those moments as well. Because when it's a spouse situation, uh, we, we may have to unpack things a little bit more. There may be more work to be done. Some of you are single, some of you are, are, are widowed, uh, so you have different seasons in life. But when I talk to a lot of uh, uh, people that are married or, or wanting to get married, uh, th- this, this issue of what this one flesh thing, it's, it's a very powerful covenant. And so in dealing with marriages specifically, and maybe you're going to be able to help your kids or grandkids or whatever with theirs, but that relationship is special. So sometimes in marriage relationship, just throwing out an I'm sorry isn't good enough. That's not going to solve it. Have you ever done that where you just throw out an I'm sorry just to see if you can kind of be done with this conflict? When you realize in a marriage situation especially, I'm sorry doesn't cut it. That person, the other person, the spouse, you, you need to be heard because that's a relationship. It's a 24-7, 365, one flesh relationship. So that's going to take some special handling, right? We know that. Okay, next one. Aim for small steps. We don't need to fix everything. We're going to aim for the present and we're going to fix this thing. Like Jackie telling me, hey, next time you're in public, don't tell a story at my expense. And I can do that. I can, I can do that. That's a step. I'm not going to fix every bad joke that I tell, but I can, fix, I can fix those, right? And finally, see conflict. And this is a big one. See conflict as an opportunity. Whenever we're having difficulty, and it could be on, on differences of opinion or, or, or how to run things or, you know, how the family should function, we need to look at conflict as a way to grow. Sometimes we either bolt from the situation or we just kind of brush it under the rug. No, I think actually we're called to See what this opportunity might be. There may be an opportunity for growth when we have a conflict in a relationship. Some of my closest friends, we've had some knockdown dragouts. And, and, and those relationships matter to me, so it's worth fighting for and it's worth fighting fair for. So I'm going to lean in instead of lean out. And I'm going to say, well, you, you ever had that where, where, where someone says something or gives you a criticism and you realize that sometimes there's some truth in that? Even if it came wrong or, or it didn't, totally all be correct, sometimes there's a little truth in that. So we listen for that truth in the conflict because we can grow because friends fight fair. I love this. I got this from, uh, from a business book I read several years ago. They called it something else, but I kind of 
co-opted it for us today. And, and, and in relational, relational conflict, look for the agos. Another growth opportunity. Look for the agos. What is another growth opportunity here that I can learn from this, that this conflict can teach us? Look for the growth because friends fight fair. There is no reason to have unnecessary casualties from friendly fire. That when those relationships are close and they're worth fighting for, so friends fight fair. I want to pray. Let's pray together and ask God to help us with this. Father, we come before you. We, we, we ask that you would help us to be healthy people that, that certainly love one another even in difficulty and conflict. Father, help, help us realize that you're the God of peace. You want to bring peace to these situations, a peace that goes beyond understanding in our homes, our community. Father, empower us to fight fair in friendship. And as we strive for unity and love and understanding, may this grow our relationships and grow our faith as we do so. Father, help us to truly love one another as you've called us to, even when we have conflict. Father, help us to fight fair and ultimately that you get the win and we grow. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. If anything stirred in your heart on what we talked about, reach out to us. Reach out to us online too. Come see me. Hit our connections booth. If you have a next step or something you want us to pray about in this relationship world, love to talk with you about that. So.